Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 124. That guy looks like Dr. Bart K. We're going to find out. The episode starts right now. All right, people, you have asked, you have asked, and you have asked, and I deliver because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Dr. Bart K. What's up, man? Hey, pleasure. <laughs> cool. Glad to be here. Mm. So, yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Nice, man. I got a, got my drink ready. It's a little later in the hour for, 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 for me. You are entering happy hour in New Zealand. And before we get started, just so people know what, what our, our subject matter is, even though you're, you're kind of a, you're kind of, you, you can pretty tackle any, and you can tackle any subject you want, but tell everybody what your, your credentials are in, in a brief synopsis. Um, it's long, right. but, but try. <laughs> I can make it short. That's good. Basically, um, my absolute areas of expertise are human physiology, um, cardiovascular pathophysiology, human nutrition, sport and exercise science, um, statistics, research methodology, ethics of research. Um, I've spent 25 years up until about 2018 being a professor of health science. Uh, whereupon I decided to no longer be a professor of health science and rather to be a YouTube influencer, a, um, a creator of material that's both educational and edu and uh, educational and um, and also amusing, I guess. So I've, I've taken the approach of being as um, as abrasive as possible, using lots and lots of little short words. And I'm well known for being the guy who does the videos about how everyone's wrong on the interwebs, basically. I like that. Yeah. So let me just ask, uh, um, there's so many people that are, that are, doc there are doctors, there are people who you're contemporaries, there are people with like-minded fields, there are people, I, I watched your last episode, veganism versus, versus meat eaters, and that, that, that was an unfair fight. That's your fault, you were punching down, my man. Um, <laughs> he says, well, they pick a fight. That's what happens. Yeah. So that's let me, you let step me just, in the ring, you know. So before we get into that high tech stuff, let me ask you like a dumb kid from Brooklyn question. Is your field, is it something that you were a kid and said, I want to be a doctor and I don't know what kind of doctor I want to be? Um, or or when did when did you think when did you say to yourself, was it through college? Was it through medical school? What point did you say this is what I want to do? We're going to get to the entertainment part in a minute because that's fun. That's fun as fuck. Um, yeah. So so talk <laughs> yeah. to me on that very simplistic grounded level. Then we then we could just take off where we want. Got it. All right. So my I started my first undergraduate degree. At the age of 27 and or 26 can't remember so long ago so long ago so i had been out in the world i had done stuff i had you know i pumped gas for a living i worked in sawmills i you know did stuff that that kids do that that leave school without qualifications or whatever else and i did that for a goodly number of years it was about that stage, 26, 27, whatever it was, I decided, okay, it's time to get some 
um, some prospect in life together. I'm never going to make anything of myself if I'm, I was always an intelligent kid. I was always a kid that knew the answers to everything. Even if I didn't, I made some shit up and that was good enough. Um, and then, you know, made an argument to back it up if I had to sort of thing. Um, yeah, but I had to do something. So I went and I, I looked around and thought, what interests me? Um, well, sports interests me and physiology interests me. So I'm going to do sport and exercise science for my first undergraduate degree. So that's what I did. So I spent uh, three years doing that. And then obviously I went on and I got master's and an honors degree and all that kind of stuff from there. And then moved on and, and branched out into other areas, um, got other qualifications in the cardiac area and then the human nutrition area and um, worked in academia for, for 25 years. I've never been a medical practitioner, so I haven't gone through medical school. I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I'm the other kind of doctor, the, the, the academic kind, um, the kind that actually does research, the kind that actually spends a lot of their time in laboratories wearing white coats, looking at through microscopes, finding out how things work. The guys that actually teach doctors how to be doctors. In fact, one of the degrees I ended up teaching on for the last three or four years of my academic career was actually a research-based, um, practical-based program where kids that were going to be doctors were training to be doctors. So I've trained more doctors than most doctors have had hot feet, basically. So um, there's basically that in a nutshell. That's what precipitated it, the fact that I realised I was never going to make anything of myself if I didn't get some credentials. So I did, and then I just went hell for leather, did a whole bunch of research, published a whole bunch of articles, punched above my weight, got myself promoted up through the ranks, picked up this academic position, that academic position, never stayed at any one university as, as, a, as a professor at that university for more than a few years, um, always looking for the next thing. And then at the end of it, at the end of the 2018 academic year, I went, you know what, this is, this is bullshit. This is not what I want to be doing. Um, these clowns are telling me what I can and cannot say, despite the fact that that's illegal. Um, they're telling me what to think. Yeah. Not okay. Um, you know, I'm a published research author. I've got one or two clues about my subject area of expertise. And what I don't need is some middle manager who sits in an office all day, never sees a bloody student in his life, telling me what I should be saying to students. So I'm like, you know what? You can stick this up your ass. I'll go and be a YouTube um, influencer and I'll probably make much more money doing that. And guess what? I do. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Listen, mm. I think you are way ahead of the game as far as um, understanding that there was this false dichotomy going on for, for, for decades. You're either an entertainer or you're a serious doctor. You can't be both. Mm. You call bullshit. And that's yeah. one of the things I appreciate about you. And you can chime in and interrupt me anytime you want, because I don't even know if this is really a question. Um, I mean, maybe there is there is a question. I think my question is, what point was that? The point that you realized that the in order for you to be your own boss, and for the, to you to be, to be your own shot caller, um, that these are some of the things you wanted to implement that you that you've already seen coming in. Where you're like, I want to do it this way, and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, mm -hmm. when you're working for somebody else, be that pumping gas or yeah. oh, shit, I working know, in a sawmill or, or yep. whatever shit it is you're doing, and, and being a professor in a university yep. is no different than pumping gas in a service station. Yeah, you've got, got a boss. You've got a boss who's telling you what to do. Yeah. And 
you're on a salary, you're on a fixed amount of money. Okay, so obviously, as a, as a professor of health science, you're earning more than someone who's pumping gas, absolutely. But it is what it is, there's no overtime, there's no penalty rates, there's no extra anything. You do your well, as a professor, it turns out to be 60, 70 hours a week plus if you want to do a good job of it. Yeah, and you get your middling salary of 50, 60 grand, maybe, depending on where you work and how senior you are and whatever else. Nah, no can do. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if there's so, something... You know, as, as, as a creator doing YouTube videos, doing uh, private consultancies with people behind the scenes who want to talk to me about their health in any way, um, having a Patreon subscriber, all of which is up there, by the way. There. Nice, I see it. Over there. I'll go full there. screen if we got to, my man. <laughs> That's right. What's up there? Hold on, uh, good. hold on one um, second. There it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's all up there, just Holy above, shit. just above my left ear. Um, that's that's where you can get hold of uh, the services, and that's where you can you can link. You can buy this fine T-shirt too, if you like. There, if you like as well. There. Dude, that's that's my kind of merchandise. That's, that's what I wear to my that's next. Kind of. What I wear to my next juniors program. So, listen, excellent. The yes. reason why I had you on the podcast, it's not because you're a professional in your field, not because you excel. There are people that do that. There's something very very special about you okay well for me first of all i worked at wild cornell for 17 years started as a file clerk you know so i i do have my share of asking people in, in related fields if i wanted to what impressed me about you is you're always finding ways to evolve and i think as a result it's kept you young looking you're 51 which is ridiculous like or 50 right i'm i'm attacking um, 50 in march i'm 49 okay. right yeah. now 50 at the end of March. I'm 51, mm. so we're doing, like I said, we're doing pretty fucking good. You're doing awesome, you're doing awesome. <laughs> Show me some ID, boy. Um, so <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, the thing I liked about you, and, and this is leading somewhere, was that you are your own boss. And something that I'm trying to, I've been trying to teach some of these young people, because right now I'm coaching professionals in the AVP scene as well as juniors, so I bounce back and forth. Never put yourself in a position where someone else is calling the shots, but you're the one responsible for what for what happens. I was in the army. I, I'm 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 ex-military. I'm a Gulf War vet. First commander, awesome. My second commander, no. Do it this way. Do it this way. Do it this way. Shit, stuff ends up fucked up. Commander's like, that's not me. That's him. And I'm like, ooh, I gotta get the hell out of the army. <laughs> so. So the one one thing that impressed me, and the reason why I got you on this show, because it's not just your your professional act, your, your mental acumen, but your ability to show people that you can be your own boss. You 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 didn't come from uh, a traditional. I mean, I did some research on you, but I didn't know about a lot of that. But you didn't come from traditional. You're going back to school at 27. It's not easy. Me too. I went back to school mm. at 33, right? <laughs> I only mm. wish I didn't study acting. I wish I did something fucking useful. But um. You understand the entertainment part of it, and I like that you showed everybody that science and the distribution of, of, of knowledge of science and entertaining people are not mutually exclusive. These things are binary, and they can be binary, and not just can be, they are binary. So um, I want to go back to your last podcast. I, it might be the one before that. Our, who's our hot-ass, what's that hot-ass chick's name, that, the... the um, the Asian, the Asian girl that does her own. Oh, promotion. Bella. Bella. Uh, what's her, and what was yeah. her handle? It's what was it called? Steak and Butter Gal. I want you to, can you, 
I, someone asked me a question because I have a whole bunch of questions people sent me or whatever, and I just want to make sure I go through those before we get carried away with our own stuff. What is the whole correlation between being a vegan and 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 having it fuck with your cycle? There's not enough of all the basic nutrients that a human being needs in a vegan diet, demonstrably, clearly, unequivocally, which means without question. There is no doubt whatsoever. Um, most notably, a vegan diet is short of fat, usually. And without sufficient fat, you're not going to produce um, sufficient of your of your female um, sex hormones, basically that that drive the cycle. So it can it can dry up in that uh, in that sense. I mean, the the other population of people other than vegans that end up with the same sort of problems is the female gymnasts who end up with a thing called female athlete triad, which is an extremely limited fat diet because they believe that's a good idea. And that's not for performance reasons, it's for aesthetic reasons. And it doesn't actually work for either performance or aesthetics. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad idea for both. It leads to a lowered level of estrogen, or as the English would call it, oestrogen. Um, and that leads to interferences to the cycle and also ultimately to osteoporosis and risk of bone fractures through another. That's why it's called a triad because there's a three way right. problem system there. Is osteoarthritis so coming to play? Basically, disordered one? eating, um, disordered hormonal status, and osteoporosis, basically. Um, not nice. a good thing. Nice. What, um, well, after listening to the last two episodes i got a pretty good grasp on on the benefits of a carnivorous diet and um and just like um bella uh, one of the first times i heard it was i was watching joe rogan's episode he did a self-experiment and he just said his energy was through the roof he likes to work out before podcast um it's also a ufc commentator you know you, you're sitting in that yeah. seat for five hours you want to make sure you know you want to make sure you got your shit together and i guess my i have a fan question that says why does the carnivore win the carnivore versus vegan argument? Um, it uh, is a loaded question, and for me, I, I, I personally, I got it all day because this is just this is just interesting, and this is something I'm probably going to try on myself in the in the next couple of weeks, and this and that. So, okay, um, you don't have to be brief. Uh, you don't have to be. Uh, uh, you don't have to take a long time. You can do whatever the hell you want. And th this question, this loaded question, is why does the carnivore win the carnivore versus vegan argument? Right. Okay. So for me, the first thing you have to understand is that everything that is referred to <clears throat> as nutrition science. So when say studies show this studies show that the nutrition scientists all agree that you need to understand that there is no such thing as nutrition, human nutrition science. Now, why would I say something as crazy ass as that? Well, here it is. Science is about making good quality inferences about cause and effect. Okay, this causes that. All right, I line you up in the sights, I put my finger on the trigger, I pull the trigger, parts of your body explode out the back of you. I think we can find a cause and effect there. If we do, if we do enough experiments, we can, we can, you know. 
First of all, let's look at the temporal thing, okay? Did parts of your body explode out the back before or after I pulled the trigger? If it was beforehand, no good. We can't blame it on me pulling the trigger. Right. Yeah. If it was... I mean, that's something the, I want to try twice. Several, yeah, but... <laughs> exactly. Say so, it's an experiment you're only going to go through once as, as a subject for that experiment, aren't you? But... Um, so there's that kind of thing. We've, we've got to make sure things line up temporally, things happen in the order that they're supposed to. Okay. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to eliminate every other possible cause. Okay. Can we eliminate something that might have spontaneously caused part of your body to explode out the back, which just happened to be temporarily in a coincidence with me pulling the trigger? Like, for example, Maybe the sharp end of the gun was fucking pointing a different direction. It wasn't even pointing at you at that time. Sure, it lined up with me pulling the trigger, but the barrel was going somewhere else. Do bullets go around fucking corners? No. No. That kind of thing. All right. Not since So you've got to eliminate all of that. Yeah. You've got to eliminate all of it. Now, the way you do that in science, and, and before you can say this causes that, this is healthy, in other words, or that's unhealthy, this causes that disease, or this prevents that disease, what you need is is an interventional study. Now, what that means is you're doing an experiment. That means you're controlling everything. That means you bring subjects into your laboratory and you lock them in that lab for the period of study that you want to extrapolate your study to. And you control every aspect of their life. Waking hours, sleeping hours, light hours, dark hours, exercise, amount, modality, all of it, what they're allowed to do, where they're allowed to go, what clothing absolutely everything you control it except the one thing that you're looking to pin cause and effect on for some disease or another hmm. now when you're talking about human nutrition you're talking about diseases that develop over decades decades and decades 40 and 50 and 60 years most of them these chronic diseases of western society so to say we have a cause and effect relationship, what you're going to have to do is get genetically identical sets of twins, because you've got to start with identical populations in the first place. You've got to appropriately randomize each one of those twins into situation A or situation B. You've got to have hundreds of thousands of these pairs of twins who are prepared to give up their lives for this research. You've got to lock them in a lab, control everything, and look after the one thing that's that, that you're going to try and pin it on, some aspect of their diet, right? And you've got to keep them locked in that lab for 40, 50, 60 years, waiting for these diseases to develop. Or if you're talking about death, you have to wait for them to all die. Otherwise, what you've got is an inference about cause and effect, not proof of a cause and effect. Yeah. Now, obviously, in human nutrition, there's no way that we are ever going to be able to get ethics to do a study like that. No, we're not. No, we're not into the business it's of not do, doing that to people, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't do that to people any no. more than you can force experimental, dangerous, and unproven medical experiments on millions and millions. Oh, that's right. Apparently, you fucking can. Yeah. But that's for another day. Um, so mm. science <laughs> is about cause and effect. It's about proving cause and effect. We're not doing that in the in the fraternity, if you like, of human nutrition science. What we're doing is we're doing mostly small scale, short term reductionist studies that look at aspects of things which don't really give us much good information about long term outcomes. They just give us ideas about mechanisms. This causes that to occur in terms of the release of endorphins or 
the amount of cholesterol in your blood or any of that kind of stuff. They're not hard outcomes. They're just measurements of things that don't tell us anything about, is that person going to live longer or shorter? Are they going to have a better life, a healthier life, or a life that's in poor health? We can't do that from those reduction studies. Right. So there's another group of so-called nutrition, so-called scientists who are in a field called nutritional epidemiology, which I like to refer to as epididly-doodly-middly-moodly-mology. It's not science. It's a laugh. It's a joke. It's, it's a have. You've got to be joking. Are you serious? What they do is instead of controlling things and looking for cause and effect, they control absolutely nothing whatsoever. They collect outcome data over years and years and years. And then they take that observation they've made, they throw it out the window and they make something else up using a clever little mathematical technique called a a multivariate regression regression. to ignore completely the data they've actually collected and tell us something other than what they actually collected was what they collected. In other words, they lie to us. It should be in the fiction section. And they say, therefore, this absolutely proves that your risk of heart disease goes up if, for example, you eat a high saturated fat diet, which is a line that we've all heard a billion times in our lives. The unfortunate truth is it's not true. It's utterly false. It's not backed by any science or any proof whatsoever. Um, So there is no nutrition science to go to, to, to get a good sensible gauge on what is likely to cause the longest life, the best health, the happiest life, all of those things that we all strive for, I'm sure. So I had to take, having gone through the nutritional training, I, I, I realized it was absolute bullshit from start to finish. It was, it was holier than your average kitchen colander. It didn't hold any water. There was nothing in there backed by science at all. It was ideology. It was all bought and paid for nonsense. Let me. And I thought I had to go on. Sorry, you have a flow going and I, I ain't trying to mess with that flow because you were, you were go def- for it. Uh, uh, that was a that was awesome. What they're looking for, as far as this comparison, or what people are looking for, don't they don't they just go on a basic level? Like you should be a vegan because this kind of food enhances your quality of life. This has this, or or meat. Uh, your argument is this has this, and that um, isn't isn't there mm. like a general place that they can they start as a foundation? Uh, yeah, uh, um, the the vegan argument is the same every time. Every single time without fail. I I could probably never, say it with you, but go ahead. <laughs> basically, here it is. Instead of telling you why a vegan diet is good, because there is no evidence that it is good. None at all. Here's what they do. They tell you why a diet containing animal products is bad. Yes. Okay. Animal products are bad. Okay. Yeah. That's what they say. Yep. And they say animal products will give you cancer. Okay. Which is false. There is no evidence to support that whatsoever existing anywhere in the peer-reviewed literature anywhere on this planet. It's a lie. They will say animal products will raise your cholesterol, which is true. However, that's not a health problem because cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. They'll say animal products will give you heart disease. It won't. No. Cholesterol does not cause heart disease, so it's not going to give you heart disease. They'll tell you all cause mortality. You'll die sooner on an animal based diet, which is also completely false. Yeah. I haven't met a vegan uh, over 70. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's always the same arguments mm-hmm. and they'll always point to the same literature. If they point to any literature at all, 
And it's always the epididly doodly middly middly gemology, which can be pulled to bits by a competent statistician such as myself within seconds. Yeah. Because I actually know all the studies. As soon as they flash up, I say, oh, well, that study there, I can tell you what's wrong with that one. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Well, That's why none of them will front me for a debate. Well, this is the other reason. Know. Why, yeah. yeah. No, this is the reason why I have you on. Um, I myself, on, on my own level, as ve are very leery of anyone that says study show and that people are supposed to ride that. Even in my own sport. Mm. Never mind. You're talking about uh, uh, longevity, quality of life, sanctity of life, all that shit, right? Volleyball, you, mm. someone could be like, studies show that, you know, angling your platform instead of midline is better. And then you look at the stuff. When I actually started looking at studies, I'm like, wait, are we talking about women? Uh, men? Because, uh, you know, mm. I was coaching men at the time. No, we're talking about women. All right, we're talking about professionals and talking about college. Um, oh, cool. We're talking about Division One. Actually, no, it's a Division Two program. I'm like, all right, um, cool. Are we talking about how many people in the, in the group? Fifteen? Uh, nine. Mm. It's like, oh, cool. Did you do it for like a month? No, we did it a week and a half. And I'm just like, study show. <laughs> study yeah. show. So so yeah. I I came in already relating on, on my on my amateur i mean in, in this territory completely amateur but on my own on my own as far as my own wheelhouse totally understanding that and and that's the reason why i posed the question i was looking for certain studies that support or or defend veganism because i'm a meat guy and it's really really hard for me to be objective to not have this just be a circle jerk on why we agree so i'm trying to play devil's advocate and at the same time not be the fucking devil myself so um are you aware of studies that show that veganism um, inhibits your quality of life? Not so much, because again, if I'm going to say none of the studies that purport one thing are valid because they're not controlled experimental works in laboratories over the years in terms of outcomes, then I have to apply the same standard on the other side of the argument as well. Otherwise, I'm a fucking hypocrite. Right. And I'm not a hypocrite. So I'm going to say, no, there are no studies that say it's bad either. But let's go to some anecdotes. Please. And by the way, a lot of people will say the plural of anecdote is not data. Yes, it fucking is. <laughs> the what only else, difference is, is that <laughs> data is anecdotes collected under discipline. According to a doctrine. Yeah. This is how you collected the anecdotes. That's all it is. So anecdotes... I mean, at the end of the day, if they're saying saturated fat causes heart disease, which it does not, that the strength is an anecdote or a series of anecdotes that are collected in a meta-analysis there that they're claiming would support a risk statement around that. Let's take a look at a risk statement on the other side of the argument, which is just as wishy-washy, but still, I think, valuable. Okay. Here it is. 84% of people who ever try going vegan quit that ideology and it's not actually an ideology it's a theology i call it the church of anorexia vegana okay <laughs> they quit that and they quit that within five years 84 percent of them who doesn't like ribs and then when they're interviewed about it 90 percent of those people who have quit cite catastrophic and sometimes irreversible health damage as the reason and then you go, well, okay, what's the mechanism then? Well, the mechanism is the diet is vastly, grossly destitute of a huge number of absolutely required nutrients for human beings, no question. 
Okay. There's your, there's your mechanism. Well, and then you, you, you go to the next thing, which is the next part of why, I guess, why the carnivore diet wins this, wins this debate, wins this argument. And that is you go to where I did look for what the right answers are, because you're not going to find it in nutrition science. You have to look to other branches of science that actually are doing some good science that will give you a good solid inference. And I'll tell you what they are. They are comparative anatomy, comparative physiology, comparative metabolic studies, and anthropology. So let's go over the arguments here that says carnival wins every time. Thanks for right. bringing us back on board, by the way. I just drove both our asses off the cliff and you're like, Jay, let's go. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how many clicks off course you can get, we'll, we'll hump it back. That's fine. Good. No worries. Steering wheels good. on both sides of um, the car, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but I used to train SAS guys. So I know a bit about what goes on in the military as well. I've been there myself. And actually, one of the characters I play on my various YouTube channels, you may have seen him, he's called the Field Marshal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's um, that, that guy is the equivalent of a five-star general in the American there is. One military of, one ranking of the, system. One of the nine, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's got a little yellow teddy bear as his offsider, and he's completely stark raving bonkers. But anyway, that's for another day. Yeah. Let's get this back on track. Right, so <laughs> let's start with the most obvious argument here that says, why does Carnival win? Okay, we know that the Darwinian so-called theory of evolution is no such thing. It is not a theory. It is a fact. There's no question about it. Okay. Now that doesn't say anything about the existence of a God or the non-existence of a God. This may all be God's plan, but nonetheless, this is the mechanism. We are not, there is no question that genes develop over time in response to positive and negative selection pressures that those genes are placed under in the environment that they find themselves. Ah. If you doubt me on that, have a look at what's happening with the, with the Wu flu right now. Yep. The C19 thing that's going on. Okay. We give people a bunch of dangerous experimental drugs. You could say it with no me. safety, <laughs> no safety data behind them and no proof that they actually work. And what happens? The thing evolves to escape the fucking thing. Yeah. Of course it does. That's how it works. Yep. All right. I mean, so there's an example right under your noses with a, with a, an organism, actually not an organism because viruses aren't even alive, no. with a piece of DNA, a self-RNA, self-replicating RNA that changes very quickly because the, the lifespan of this thing, I'm not going to say lifespan because they're not alive, much, much shorter than a human span. Okay, Our genes change glacially over millennia. All right. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. All the genes that we've got that survive in our body right now are there because they meet two conditions. There was no reason why that gene should be eliminated. Because if there was a reason for that gene to be eliminated, it would be. If Anything that's deleterious selection. to our survival will stop us passing that gene on. It will get itself wiped out. There are examples of genes in the hum human genome that have been completely not wiped out, gone from our genome. Not one human being alive has that gene, for example. Was it vitamin give C? Give an example. One of them? Was vitamin C? Exactly. One of those? Exactly the example I was going to use. Vitamin C. The ability to make your own vitamin C is gone. Why is it gone? Because it was a problem. That was bad for us. It was killing us. 
I wonder why. That's for another day. I do know why. I'm not going to tell you right now. It's for another day. No. All right. Or watch my Fine Fine Science channel and you'll learn about it because it's on there in, in a oh, video just, or two just, or three, actually. It's my new, anyway, it's my, it's that's, my new thing. That's for man. another day as well. <laughs> it's right. my new thing. Go so ahead. that gene is gone. Mm -hmm. All right. The other condition that needs to be met by the genes that you've got today is that it has to have been of benefit. So at some point. Right. Whether it's still of benefit or not, that's that's a matter for debate. Okay. So that's that's the evolution side out of the way. The next thing I want to go to is anthropology. There is a test that's been developed recently-ish, not that recently, but recently-ish in the science, and it's a means by which they can use very technical, very expensive machines to measure the level of both nitrogen and carbon isotopes that they find in the collagen, which is a protein, which is bound up in the long bones, the skeletal remains of human beings. We have found skeletal remains of human beings all over the planet that go back 350,000 years. From carbon dating, we know that's when they were, when they died, when those bones were deposited in the earth. That protein survives very well in those bones for 350,000 years. The isotopes are stable. The protein is stable. We can get in there. We can get a sample. We can read the isotopes in there. And that tells us exactly, and I mean exactly, what that human being ate in their lifetime, down to what species of animal they were eating. Nice. Largely. Yeah. And what I can tell you is the results tell us unequivocally that every single human skeleton ever tested that's over 8,000 years old from anywhere in the world up to 350,000 years ago, every single one of them comes back with the same result, plus or minus about 3% in terms of what they ate. It was 80% animals and animal fat and 20% largely fibrous tubers roots okay. berries a couple of weeks a year all right that's what it was huh so that's not a plant-based diet at all no that's all grass-fed is that um so that's the anthropological um um right. aspect of that. so the but the point of that though before we move on is that if we ate a diet consisting almost entirely of animal products and animal fat for 350 thousand years given how slowly our genes change mm -hmm. you know i said more than eight thousand years in the last eight thousand years what have we done the agrarian revolution all the other revolutions that have led up to modern life modern food all that kind of stuff we've destroyed our food intake we've completely changed to something different and it's been fucking disastrous for our health look at public health statistics right absolutely disastrous so what are we supposed to eat? Well, we're supposed to eat like we always did, and that is the flesh and fat of animals almost entirely, with at the time about 20% of the intake was in the form of highly fibrous plant materials that actually didn't break down to glucose in our bloodstream or in our bodies. They broke down to short-chain fatty acids because we had some bacteria in our guts to, to break that fibrous stuff down a little bit let's let's um, stay with the anthropological for a minute um or the anthropology yeah. if you will 
Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask a question about lifespans. You're 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 you're, yep. you're collecting these skeletons. You're collecting these cavities. You're collecting these sharp teeth, right? Because that sharp teeth yeah. is what's used to eat meat. And I thought that the last podcast mm-hmm. that was a very good point. You know, and thank mm-hmm. God we have a fork and knife, right? I, m- I must be sa- must yeah. be sad. Like yeah. the only way for you to live is to attack things with your fucking face, man. That's a sad life to it go is. through. But but um. Does is there a correlation between shortened lifespans from people who are carnivorous or whatever? Is there or is there is there, is it non-applicable? Okay, there is no reasonably well controlled assessment that is possible on that because you understand why I'm asking that, right? Because that's the argument. Yeah. If you you keep yeah, eating steak, they'll say, they'll you ain't gonna live long. Them. See you in the emergency right. room. Do you see where I'm getting at? That's right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the answer is there is no evidence to support that claim on lifespan or health outcomes at all because there are no well-controlled experimental studies available and there never will be. Right. All we can do is look at free living human beings for trends. The problem with that being hundreds of thousands of degrees of freedom that can play into someone's longevity outcome. Did they smoke? Did they drink? How much of either of those did they do? Did they take exercise? How much of that? Exposure to Where sunlight. did they live? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what, what was their socioeconomic standing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things will play into the lifespan that someone's likely to have. What are their baseline genes, for goodness sake? You know, those kind of things. So it's just nonsense. Right. There's absolute nonsense to suggest that there is anything in the science that can inform us on the risk of dying sooner or later based on any aspect of human nutrition. So the, even the, these studies that they do, that the outcome statistics they come up with usually report sort of a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% relative risk change in in condition a versus condition b which when you're talking about something with a very small incidence i.e numbers of deaths per person per year of follow-up in a study right so the baseline number of deaths per person per year of follow-up in one of these studies on the general population you're going to find it somewhere around about eight per ten thousand people and then you say, well, the risk change was 20%, which sounds, oh, Jesus, 20% risk change. That's that's important, you would, you would think, until you realize that 20% of eight ten thousandths is two ten thousandths. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? So get, get the fuck, you know, don't worry about it. What do you say? All right, let's say I'm a vegan, which I'm not, but I, yep. we got to use our imagination, right. which I think we both imagine is very vivid. Okay. Um, I'm a vegan. And I say to you, hey, dude, okay, we did what we had to do back in the day because we were fucking cavemen, all right? We're not cavemen anymore, Dr. Bart K. We've evolved, okay? We got science on our side to have new inventions, to have better food, to enhance our quality of life. Your response? Mm-hmm. My response. How did that do? That First of all, how did that do? Oh, you did great. All right. yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You even sounded whiny and pussy-like, and I'm impressed. Because I know you're neither a wine nor a pussy. I know. I'm, I'm a Brooklyn guy surrounded in the South Bay with these guys. But, oh, I'm going to shut up. That's not nice. Go ahead. <laughs> mm, all right. Good. So, I mean, the first thing the first thing I usually say to that is, okay, so you want to talk about science. Quote me some science. Cite it for me. And I'll show you what's wrong with it. Because I'm an actual scientist. I've spent a quarter of a century not only actually doing science, writing science, publishing science, but I've also acted as a peer reviewer for others who have written their science I've also been the arbiter of science. I am the science. Call me Fauci. No, don't do that for Christ's sake. No. But I am the no, science. Unless you want to go to oh, jail. I have been the science. Yeah. yeah. 
Jesus, let's not even get started on that. I, we might at the we might at the end if we leave each other some time. Because ah, I got yeah, we'll see. I have a particular yeah. doctor I want to ask you about later, or then I use that All time right, loosely good. too. But, good, awesome. awesome. It gives you a chance yeah. to answer. So, back. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. Okay, well, fine. You want to talk about science with me? Then quote me the science, and we'll go through the science, and I'll analyze it with you. I'll sit down with you, and I'll show you where your science is flawed, where you've got the wrong conclusion from your so-called science. Uh, in terms of evolution, yes, sure, we've moved on since cavemen times in, in many respects. Um, a lot of it's been positive and a lot of it's been absolutely disastrous. Example, the agrarian revolution, the idea that we should base our diets on plants, that's been absolutely disastrous for our health. If you doubt me, just look at public health statistics. How do you, how do you escape that logic? I don't know. I mean, there, there yeah. is. Look, I just looked at this thing that said some vegans may live longer, and I'm like, that's not an argument. No. <laughs> you know, some meat eaters may live longer too. <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing when you use the word may or possibly in a scientific write up because it leaves the other thing entirely on the table, doesn't it? Look, may not too. We are in the age of verbal gymnastics, Dr. K. All right, mm. dying with yep. COVID, uh, as opposed to dying of COVID. That's verbal mm. fucking gymnastics, my man. Yep. Uh, um, some may live longer, right? Um, mm. The death mm. rate, as opposed to deaths the last 30 days or 90 days, the death rate, whatever it takes. I mean, this is crazy. The thing that's been driving me crazy right now, and, and you can see it in my eyes right now, is that the same people that are telling us to follow the science are the ones doing the verbal gymnastics which makes yeah. you think they have an agenda and then mm. when the smoke is fire and when you start looking to see if someone has an agenda it's like oh well you know you don't say <laughs> you know yeah. you don't say so yeah. so getting back to that we all right we just tackled the anth anthropology part of it let's um let's mm. move was there something else was there one or two other things uh uh that you wanted to chime on to? Oh, look, just uh, the other things I would mention in, in passing were things like the comparative anatomy, the comparative physiology, the comparative metabolic studies. They all point clearly and absolutely to a very long history and an absolute adaptation to the consumption of meat and animal fat and not plants. Right. Sure, we retain some vestiges of our plant-eating past as primates. Yes, we do. For example, the shape of our teeth looks very frugivorous very similar you've probably seen that thing here's a carnivorous teeth like this mm -hmm. here's a frugivorous teeth like this yeah we're frugivores then oh okay because teeth right i mean well positive and negative selection pressures remember the negative selection pressures as well here's the thing not once in my life have i ever sat down to an eight ounce t-bone and gone, you know what? I can't eat this because I don't have sharp pointy teeth like this. <laughs> and neither did my ancestors because they had thumbs as well. They could also fashion sharp pointy sticks, knives, bows and arrows. They also had a brain. Uh, they also had the ability to communicate with one another and to, to hunt collectively and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Never once did my ancestors ever take down a large woolly mammoth by diving at it with our mouths open. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. That's okay. Hey, they got to do what they got. Like I said before, you got to do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. If you got to attack things with the, your the, face. The other, the other vestige, <laughs> the other obvious vestige we still have of our, of our <clears throat> plant eating past, we still have a vestigial organ. It's about that big. Okay. Size of your pinky finger. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's attached to the base of your colon. And it's called your very form appendix. Usually it's just called your appendix. 
that's what's left of what you will find in a gorilla an organ that this great big organ much much bigger than the large intestine it's a huge sack where plant material was fermented for ages it had heaps of bacteria it's called a cecum animals that consume hindgut fermenters that consume plants like our gorilla cousins they have a cecum you you remove a gorilla's cecum it's going to die because it cannot survive without one good lord we don't have one of those we have this vestigial little organ that does bugger all these days except get inflamed and cause us a problem at some point in our lives probably yeah um dr k do you need fiber to shit nope not at all <laughs> not one gram ever in fact it seems to be if anything the the one decent pseudo clinical study that's ever been done was done on i think it was only 64 individuals so not really much statistical power not a big sample size but it was 60 it, well it's a good sample size for a, for a um a small scale study a reductionist study ah. it doesn't prove anything absolutely but it's a good indication i'll tell you why it's a good indication because what they did is they had 64 people who presented at the outset of the study with uh, constipation people who could not shit basically people who were experiencing pain on trying to shit people who were tearing their assholes trying to shit people who were excreting blood people you know all sorts of really not not fun stuff and what they did is they split that 64 people into three cohorts one of whom continued to eat the same amount of fiber as they were doing one of whom who increased their fiber and one of whom removed all fiber whatsoever from their diet completely in the crowd that made no change there was no change to their symptoms well bugger me that's incredible that's your control group if you like in the group who increased their fiber to improve the probability that they'd be able to shit their symptoms got worse Oh, every single one of those individuals oh, in that group all of them par for the course oh shit. Go, go exactly ahead. now the people that removed all the fiber from their diet and had a fiber free diet and zero fiber whatsoever those people experienced a 100 percent remission of all symptoms all of them every one of those people so the so there's two groups there was the fiber group that was an epic fail, right? You have the, the, yep. the second group, which is what we're talking about now, just, mm -hmm. just so I can bring my audience up to speed, right? Because we're some, mm -hmm. sometimes we're just fucking morons. Um, mm -hmm. So the second group, no fiber, and all mm -hmm. of them did well. Third Complete group, remission for every single one of those people. Third group, all of them. Third group? The third group made no change and had no change in their symptoms. Well, takes care of that. So what helps you shit? Yep. Is it, well, is it you steak? Have, you have, <laughs> well, you have muscles. You have muscles that ring your colon and they are fired off in order so that you have rhythmic muscle contractions that squeeze your shit out every day. Yeah. Look. That's what helps you shit. Dude, you don't need fiber. Why, why would you need fiber to you, make you shit? You have to appreciate how super necessary this question is. Like, nobody wants mm -hmm. to talk about poop unless you're you're with your, your family at the table. How'd your poop go? Ah, I went okay, whatever. Me and my wife, mm -hmm. I think we built the mm -hmm. backbone of our relationship talking about poop. It is traditions in the Campbell clan and the DeBiz clan is just coming right along. So, so awesome. uh, I, I like all it took was two things, right? The muscles between your ears and the, and the pair of balls between my legs to actually just just bring this to the table good and that's an open and shut thing next one um awesome 
let's talk about something where I, I think you're going to be more helpful to my wheelhouse, um, which is the sport of indoor volleyball and beach volleyball. The last five years have been more more predominantly beach than indoor. That has, that's what happens when you move to California. Um, mm-hmm. You know, easier to coach, right? There's no bench on the beach. Don't have to, you know, for juniors, don't have to worry about parents. And for professionals, you don't have to worry about a whole bunch of uh, moving parts. So I want to explore the art of carb, uh, the um, art or science or, or whatever you want to con- uh, call it of carb loading. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. it, for, for, for starters, easy question for you to answer. Is there such thing as good carbs, bad carbs? No, there is not. The idea of good carbs, bad carbs is based around a piece of pseudoscience, means pretend science, okay. called the GI scale. The GI scale is a thing whereby what they do is they got a few people into a lab on one occasion and they measured their blood glucose at baseline and then they fed them a bolus of a given carbohydrate and they measured their blood glucose response for the next few hours and they drew a graph and they worked out the area under that curve and then they said, okay, as per compared to white bread, or glucose itself, depending on which scale that you've, you've adopted even. They say this food, um, whole wheat, for example, gets a GI rating of 68, whereas pure white, glucose white flour, is 100. White flour is like right. right. And, and white bread is 110. So white bread, 110, um, pure glucose, 100, whole wheat, 68. Therefore, whole wheat releases um, glucose into your bloodstream more slowly and is therefore not as bad for you. Um, or it there, is, is classed as a good carb. I'm gonna, I, let me interrupt you. There's a, there is a distinction between whole wheat and 100% whole wheat though, right? Move, sure. Moving to California, like in New York, I get a harrow, I put it on on, on bread that's, that says 100% whole wheat. It tastes significantly mm-hmm. different than something that just says wheat, a whole wheat. And I feel like I've been okay. tricked. I think, again, I hate to use the word verbal gymnastics because oh, it might not apply yeah, look, here. But you, if it's on the same fucking live, category, um, interrupt. Hmm? You live stateside. Basically, almost everything that enters your, your either of your ears is going to be a lie. Yeah. That's the way it is over there in the U.S. I'm sorry about that. That's that's the way. It's not much yeah. better here in the totalitarian state of Ardernistan, which used to be called New Zealand. Yeah. Um, we are now living in a communist totalitarian state and everything that goes into both ears is a lie. So yeah, you're gonna get that. Um, right. I don't know about the 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 wheat whole wheat hundred percent wheat thing over there. I don't know. It's, but, it's not my area. But you basically are saying carb loading, like if, let's well, say let, let's please. let's break it down. Let's unpack it. Let's okay. do it. So the first problem with the GI scale is this: it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? It doesn't work because if you come into the lab and I measure your GI response to some whole wheat today uh-huh. and then i do it tomorrow or next week or in three months or whatever every time i get a completely different number so that the variability of your response to the exact same input is so wide that the average value that we get out of it is of no value because the the variability around the average is wider than the magnitude of the measurement itself 68 because it's 68 plus or minus more than 68. 
Yeah. And that's definitely... No, that's, that's a, no but, value. No, but it's applicable to the question because the question is carb loading, mm. right? I'm a volleyball player. Yes, right. Let's, let's so, say, yeah, are there good and bad carbs? No, there aren't. All carbs Boom. are bad. Gotcha. All of them at all times. Now, the next question is always, but don't athletes need carbs to perform? To which that the is... answer is no, they don't. Well, let's be careful. Yes, they do. Because without muscle glycogen, you cannot contract your muscles, any of your muscles. You've probably also been taught there are three muscle fiber types, type 1, type 2A, and type, type 2B, 2B, sometimes called type 2X. Yep. Well, that's nonsense as well. That's not true. Your muscle fiber types are a continuum between type 1 and type 2X or 2B, if you like. It's a, it's a continuum throughout the whole range, and your muscle fibers are trainable in between all of your muscle fibers can move depending on what your training status is by the way and every one of those muscle fibers including type 1a at the very most so-called aerobic end they cannot contract without muscle glycogen any more than the ones at the other end the more powerful ones the the more glycolytic ones the more fatigable ones they all need muscle glycogen so without muscle glycogen you cannot contract your muscles and actually without muscle glycogen you die. You die. I was just going to say. <laughs> you die. Woo, make up my will because before that what, freaking tournament. Because, you know, there's another muscle in your body. It's called your heart. It, it needs glycogen too. Right. So yeah. without it, you're dead. Yeah. And I, if your muscles all fuse up because you have no muscle glycogen and they can't contract or relax, you die. Yeah. So, I, yes, you do need glycogen. Absolutely, you do need carbohydrate. You do need glycogen to make your muscles work the way they're supposed to work. Yes, but does that mean you need carbohydrates in your diet? The answer to that question is no. No, you don't. You are capable of generating all the glucose that you require for all metabolic processes that, that require it. Your muscles, your heart, your smooth muscles, your enteric tract, your brain needs a lot of glucose, for example. All of that glucose is manufacturable by the human body from non-carbohydrate precursors. In other words, it's, lactate, yeah. pyruvate, certain amino acids, and the glycerol backbones of free fatty acids. You can how, make all the sugar you need yourself. How many you of do this, not need when one you say brand. make it yourself, you mean self-generated yeah. in the body or bought? Self-generated in your body using the metabolic pathways that can turn one thing into another thing. Through a series of chemical reactions, enzymes, you might start with a glycerol backbone off a, off a fatty acid molecule. So you strip off the three fatty acids, you oxidize those for energy, you've got a glycerol left over, that goes around in your blood, another organ picks that up, says, oh, there's a glycerol, I can turn that into sugar. Happens in your, in your liver, as it turns out. Mm -hmm. Jobs are good in, have some carbohydrate, thank you very much. What... um. What is a, a Dr. Bart K, um, I don't know, three meal a day, two meal a day, four meal a day? What is, what is, what is, your, day, what one, is your day look like? Typically one meal once a day, typically around about 4 p.m. Um, and it is a serving of meat, usually large ruminant meat, usually cow, um, sometimes sheep, sometimes pig, which I realize is not a ruminant stri uh, strictly. Very occasionally some seafood and occasionally poultry. Mostly, though, the basis of my diet is beef, lamb, pork. Right. 
I, uh... in that order of ascendancy, if you like, and associated fat that comes with that. Salt and water, butter usually added to the meat. That's it. No plant material of any kind, no carbohydrates of any kind. That is the meal. You once eat, a day, so that's day. once a day. Do you know who else mm. does that? It's a very popular figure in the United States, Herschel Walker. Really? Herschel Walker was a, a big time player, I believe, at Notre Dame and then wound up mm. in the NFL, played with the Dallas Cowboys, this and that. And he was also MMA. I believe he's 2-0. and His mixed martial arts record, he's, his first fight was 50. Hey, here we go. Everything starts at 5-0, mm. right? 50 years old. Yep. He got his first mixed martial arts victory. And they said that he only eats one time a day. And if yep. I'm trying to remember correctly, there might have been some cold spinach in there too or whatever um, uh, because he was thinking sources of iron, which, which red mm. meat is – and yeah excellent excellent source yeah. of source of iron okay um go ahead. one uh, one of the current mma mixed martial artists one of the guys on the professional circuit at the moment is one of my clients who oh. takes nutrition advice from me for example i'm not going to name him because i don't have that's too bad to that, because but... as a um that's one of my, mm. my as far as um one of my um purest passions it's it's mma i got i, yeah. I mean okay. yeah so so, but I can probably guess who it is just just by looking at certain. Well, words. if if, yeah. if you looked at his Instagram, you could probably guess. No, right it away, is. yeah, yep. And I won't say it either. I've, because I've been I've been on it. So yeah. no, but I'm not going to say it either his... because, like you said, that's right. not that's not yeah. everybody's anyway, business. We, there you go. We try but if people it. really want, to, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. If people really want to know, yeah, they can look at uh, various MMA fighters Instagrams and see which one I've been on, and then maybe that's the one. I don't know. Maybe I'm I might be sending you up. Up the creek without a pedal. Yeah. Maybe I'm lying to you, but um, I'm looking anyway, forward to UFC go. 270 this week too, man. You got the heavy, cool. the heaviest weight class and the lightest weight class, uh, uh, double main mm. eventing. So that's going to be mm. fun. So the reason why I asked that, uh, based on my own personal experience, when I got out of the United States Army, I blew up. Uh, yeah. I was walking around a lean 199, which to their standards was four pounds overweight. But when you do BMI and see where my shoulders are on my hips, they're like, yeah. no, dude, you, I could see ribs and you're 199. You're not supposed to be 195. You're not supposed to be 191. Yeah. It's yeah. not right. Like you said, not everybody's built the same. So when I got out, I got out, I blew up to as much as 265 pounds. All right. Okay. And I and I had room a dude and I snuck up on me because when you're big hipped, you have room to put it. And then the next thing you know, you're like, whoa, I want to kick the scale, but it's not the scale's fault, you know. So um, bear with me on this one. OK, I had a coming to Jesus moment that made me lose the weight. I'm on a train in New York. And mm -hmm. there's there's a guy who kind of looks like me. If you look at my hair, he's got kind of like the Jufro. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Except he was about three fifty. And he's sitting in one of those two-seaters that, that's supposed to seat two, but for him, it's, it's, it's really one, right? So he breaks up McDonald's Chicken McNuggets and French fries, and he's looking for a place to put it. And then he looks at his stomach, and he puts it on his stomach, and then starts eating Chicken McNuggets off his stomach, and I went, oh, sh dude, that's me. <laughs> that's me so i worked for a cardiologist named dr isidore rosenfeld kind of like a doctor of the stars he wrote a book called mm -hmm. doctor what should i eat now there's a lot of things in this book that you're going to disagree with uh, uh be, be, because of your, your your um well your knowledge of course but mm -hmm. there were certain things that i started eating the certain things that i cut out and i took a year and i lost 65 pounds and that was 2001 
since then, I walk around 200, 200 pounds. If, I, if I'm feeling really giddy and want to go back and play on the, on the scene, I'll probably be 195. Quarantine 15, you, you're right, you kind of edge out to around 211, this and that. But the point I was trying to, I was trying to make was that knowing what you put in your body and seeing a pattern of what works, sometimes you, you conclude it works because you did it this way. But now talking to you, I'm just wondering how much of that shit was placebo, right? Like you look at me medical doctors are going to give you a list of fat burners, right? Everyone, there's mm -hmm. always a big dispute about what's a top 10 fat burner, dark chocolate, turkey legs, cashews. Uh, number one mm -hmm. on everyone's list is, is avocado. So um, mm -hmm. are, are fat burners something that you, you, you don't recommend? Or is it something that you you recommend, but you do so carefully? Yeah, I I do not recommend any of that kind of what I'll call body hackery. Okay, here's a great fat burner. Here's something that will you know eat turmeric or you know whatever ridiculous thing it is yeah. they're saying that week. Not okay. supplements. I'm talking about food. Yeah, You're yeah, right. exactly. What what I'm suggesting to people though is this. If you eat a diet which is appropriate for your species and specific to your species, as developed over, well, humans have been on the planet for three hundred and fifty thousand years, and we've been eat, we've been hyper carnivores, almost exclusively meat and fat eaters for that entire time, except the last eight thousand years where we've completely lost our way. All right, so that's probably the way we should eat. Do that. And your odds of your genes appreciating you following their design are going to be maximized. Your body composition is going to be ideal and optimized for what it should be for your genes and your body frame and whatever else. And you don't need to worry about anything else. You don't need to count calories. That's something I've talked about repeatedly, repeatedly on my channel. Calories aren't even a measurement of the energy found in food, for Christ's sake, but that's for another day. Um, yeah, so just do that. Just eat a species-appropriate, species-specific diet, and you'll get what you should get if you do it for long enough and you have patience. People want results also. They want results in five minutes for everything. They do. And I'm like, well, how long did it take you to fuck your health up? <laughs> years and years and years. <laughs> so what do you think, of, do you question, think I'm going right? to fix it for you in five minutes? Okay. Or not? I'm going to tell you this is yeah. a long road. Yeah, you've got to do the work. You've got to apply the, the disciplines. You have got to show up for work every day. Yep. And I did. And, I, and I did have discipline, like taking a year to lose 65 pounds is the right thing to do. I mean, the mm -hmm. first three months I lost 30 and I thought I was going too fast. And like with your skin or whatever, your body trying to catch up to that. I didn't want my yep. I didn't want me. I didn't want to take off my shirt and I look like and it looks like a, a map of upstate New York. Right. <laughs> All the stretch mm -hmm. marks. So I, I found a way to slow it up and um, net worth again, 65 pounds. I got as low as 186. Not really my thing when you're trying to flirt with a girl and then the girl bumps into you and you fall to the ground. You're like, all right, I'm a little light. <laughs> and she's the well, one. Help, she's you the you one say that, you, you say yeah. that, Jace, look, but look, tell me. let me tell you something that you probably don't know. Uh, shit. I go ahead. currently, as of today, how much? I weigh 149. You're going to live to a fucking 140, dude. You're going to live to 140, man. Those, are, those <laughs> Talk about correlation. Talk about like yeah. the people who live the longest are the people who walk around your weight. <laughs> What's your height? How tall are you? Um, five, six. Five, six. Oh, makes, that makes yeah. even more sense. That makes even complete mm. sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so basically, five, six, basically 150 pounds, 149. Let's, um, 
God, this is such a good episode, but let's have a little fun. <laughs> or what you might Go call a little fun. Go for it. Why? I'm just going to ask the question and then we can bring our audience up to speed if we want to, or we can sure. just dive straight into it. Why does Dr. Wilson think you're a racist? Right. Dr. <laughs> Dan Wilson. Dr. Dan Wilson. <laughs> Do we want to take two minutes and bring our audience up to speed? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You would really on. help me because I, I, I'm on Twitter right now and I'm watching a group of his associates. Because, by the way, because all, mm. all of the people on Twitter who are hazing these non-scientists, all of them are linked, are signed off, are signed off on his video. And yeah, they're, yeah. And they're yeah. there punching down, preying on whatever. And I'm like, is this, is this how you guys want to live your life? Is this how you guys? Yeah. So, so that's me uh, being a prisoner of the moment. And I think you can compartmentalize it better than me. So take our audience through, through right. how that started. Okay, so how that started is I got a message from a good friend of mine, another another YouTube creator, a bloke who's written a number of books about nutrition and has helped many, many people with and a good human being. switching. Yeah, and he's a great human being too. A bloke called Phil Escott, mm -hmm. um, and he he's helped a lot of people with with switching to a carnivore diet and getting out of the the vegan trap and all of this nonsense and and has a history of helping people with with all sorts of arthritis problems and all that kind of stuff but he's not actually a scientist he's not a trained nutritionist anything like that he's just a bloke that's done his his research in that area and knows what he's about and has had some really good results with his clients good luck to him okay so he contacted me and said listen i had this chat with this bloke called dr dan wilson who is a COVID enthusiast, a vaccination enthusiast, a vaccination rabid protector? But go ahead, yeah. a, a rabid vaccination protector enthusiast yeah. and demander of everybody, basically, who has a PhD in a particular focused area of biology, that being the development of a specific protein within one of the organelles inside your cells. Well, what do you do? Okay, whatever. He's not a virologist. He's not an epidemiologist. This is not his area of expertise any more than it's mine, because it isn't, okay? But he's one of these blokes who is very, very young. The ink on his PhD certificate is still wet. He thinks himself invincible because he's a millennial, basically, and has been brought up that way. He's been brought up to believe that the way to get what you want and to be right is to say, I'm offended rather than to actually come up with any good reason why it might be so. Um, he doesn't like being challenged. He doesn't like listening to the other side of an argument. He likes to do diatribes. Anyway, he walked all over Phil and treated him like dirt and looked down his nose at him and was disrespectful to him and tried to overwhelm him with a whole bunch of science, which actually, when you look at it, he got it all completely and absolutely wrong. No question. Yeah. You know, and I'm speaking as an experienced and qualified uh, epidemiologist, statistician, as well as the, the the physiology stuff and the cardiac stuff and all of that. So it's, this is another sort of string to the bow. I've actually got three advanced research degrees. Um, what do you do? So what? That's what it is. I mean, I've got a, a broad base of knowledge in these areas. Okay. So Phil asked me, did I want to do a review? Did I want to tear some strips off this Dan guy? A, for clicks, obviously, and for views, and B, because what he said was so off-whack. And I said, yeah, you bet, absolutely. So I took it on board, and we did our first episode, and then 
we decided to write down an email and say, look, do you want to come defend yourself? Do you want to come and talk to us? This can be a two-way thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a diatribe us against you. You've got the opportunity. Nope. And he turned around and made all sorts of excuses why he wasn't going to do that. It was a waste of his time, apparently. And I'm like, well, you wasted two and a half hours talking to Phil, who's not <laughs> even a scientist. So, so it's a waste of time talking to me. Okay, great. It's a waste of time. All right, well. Then he said, um, well, you're going to have to tell me what your arguments are going to be. And I said, well, no, I really don't, Dan, because that's the whole idea of a debate. You, the, the arguments themselves, I'll keep that up my sleeve. Thanks. Look, I'm quite happy to give you any references I'll be using up front. Yeah. And I'll expect the same from you in return, of course so that we know what the references are going to be so we can read them and see what's wrong with them each and all of that. Yeah. Um, oh, no, that's a waste of my time. Oh, so you don't actually want to have a scientific debate. And then when none of that was working for him, he said, look, here's the problem. You're a racist. Well, it's, I know why he called you a racist. I, I answered that question. but Yeah, well. I called him a boy. Is, is he not? Which apparently in America is, is a problem to call someone a boy. Well, apparently that's a racist slur. Well, um, when a white person calls a black person boy in, in the United States, it's um, to some people it's code for N-word. But with that being yeah, said, yeah. when someone who's old school in, in, a, in the same related field, someone who's called someone who's young a boy, it's because the dude is wet behind the ears and his breath smells like Similac. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, um... And I was, I was very, very clear and very specific. I said, this is academically a boy in short pants, meaning this is someone who has not made muster. Right. Sure, he's got a PhD certificate to his name, uh -huh. but he has not got my history in publication. He has not been a peer reviewer as I have. He has not been a professor of dick, let alone fuck. You know, this is a boy who thinks he knows everything and is an arrogant little boy and he's behaving like a boy. And frankly, yeah. the boy ain't even black. Uh, no. He's about one eighth if you're lucky. I mean, African-American, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, look, whatever. Let me, I've, just... got, I've got first cousins that are blacker than he is. My mother's black. How about that? My right. mom's black. Okay. My aunt's black. Three. So I, I'm my father's Swedish American, but I, for most of my life, growing up, growing up in Flappish, uh, Brooklyn, New York, identify with being black. So that when this right. dude starts talking, right, when I mean, this dude starts, no, but when this dude fine. starts talking yeah. about, yeah, because we have the luxury of identifying with both. If someone's gonna, right? If someone's gonna put mm. you through all hell and name call your whole entire life, you've earned the right to choose, right? You've been called nigger, wigger, white mm. nigger, zebra, mm. Oreo cookie. Guess what? I get to choose and they can fuck off. Um, but Sweet. with that being said, in my experience, there's not a whole lot of people on Flatbush that are gonna look at that kid and be and 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 agree with him on that. Okay, the, the guys mm. I grew up with, the Afri African Americans. Okay, people who are actually mm. who who are down with the struggle, people who are getting followed up by the police. This dude ain't gonna get. He ain't getting followed by no damn cop. Mm. So yeah. look, the only reason why I brought it up is because I have a friend of mine, Doc Ricky, and I'll just say his name, posted the video on on his takedown of Dr. Malone, because that's what's going on now. You have a whole bunch of Twitter scientists who are trying to get points uh, on, on Twitter. So I went to the page and then all of these guys are just hammering Malone. And basically I said, none of you guys engage in any debate using the 10 commandments of logic. All right. You are very, very good. With the exception of attacking one's character instead of the argument, uh, which you might need to work on a little bit, you are very, very good at 
knowing that the the um the onus the the burden of proof doesn't lie on the person questioning the claim you don't you don't narrow an argument down to only two choices when they're more false dichotomy you don't accept a premise that just because it's popular that it's right so you have you already come in even i mean this is the way i came in and this is i I feel guilty because i've they're getting mad at me because i'm not a scientist but i'm asking them uh questions sticking to uh, these rules of debate, but now it's gotten nasty. Now it's like, who do you think you are? And all this or that. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. So that's why, that was one of the reasons why I reached out to you. Cause when I saw the video, it was just a breath of fresh air because my question is, and this, and it took me a long time to get there. And thank you for this. My question was, why don't, if you disagree with him and I heard, I watched that podcast. I'm, I follow Joe Rogan religiously uh probably a thousand out of his 1600 episodes i listened to joey diaz jamie fox robert downey jr bernie sanders um if you have this much of a problem with him why the fuck are you on twitter right now why aren't you sending messages him with him and challenge him on a debate why don't you give him a chance to answer for himself and his answer because it's so and the only reason why i brought it up because you brought it up on the podcast i don't want to be bothered what the fuck i don't want to be bothered i i don't want to here's the other one i don't want to give him a platform that makes him uh more famous and i'm like no don't you think not answering him uh, 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 immortalizes him? Don't you think not addressing him? Don't you think deplatforming him? Uh, not only immortalizes the, him with the people that don't know the truth or, or, or f- fiction or, or, or fact from science, because we're not all scientists, mm. but don't you think mm. it, it brings all the fucking nutballs out? I mean, if you truly mm. had some uh, an ounce of respect for your own profession and two ounces of nobility, like you're sitting there t- patrolling on Twitter, why haven't you debated this guy? Why haven't you said, hey, let I have a problem with you. Let's sit there, let, I'll fucking moderate it. I, I can stop the debate and say, hey, no, 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 no. Tell, tell my audience what that means. Let's stop. Why? Is this, is this a scientist thing? That's, that's the question I want to ask because I hate to stereotype this. Okay. And I, I, get a I can answer that. that. Yeah. Is, this a, sci- is that a scientist thing? Um, no. Scientists generally in the professional world of science conduct themselves with a very stiff upper lip. They are overtly polite to one another, despite the deepest of um, divisions, the deepest of um, dichotomies of view. It, you know, we we call each other doctor and professor and sir and whatever else, and we oh yes, but the data this and the data that, and oh yes, have you looked at this data set and that, and science is litigated empirically, which means with numbers. Not with feelings, not with thoughts, not with consensus, none of that. Numbers. Here are the numbers. Here is the data set. This is what we're looking at. That's how science is done in the world of science. Got it. Or at least that's how it used to be. We've got away from that now because the millennials are drifting through into the science world where it's all about don't hurt my feelings and stuff. And, you know, every child wins a prize. Everyone gets a degree certificate just for enrolling sort of thing. Okay. So that's how we used to do it. It's it's devolving now. That's a sad thing. It's one of the reasons I got out of it, as well as being told what I can and can't say, that kind of stuff. That is very much a stark um, contrast to the world of, for example, YouTube, which is ostensibly an entertainment medium. We are there to attract people who want to see our videos. Now, I've got two options. 
I can present myself as a professional scientist. I can put on a collar and a tie and not say fuck and, and talk only about the numbers and what is true and what's not true. And actually, I have a YouTube channel where I do exactly that. And guess what? It has about 10% of the subscriptions that I get to my other channel where I call everybody I see you next Tuesday. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Now you were saying about attacking people's logic and not attacking their, which I absolutely agree with. And I yeah. wish, I wish I didn't have to do it. But if I want your click, if I want to be entertaining, if I want people to go, what's he going to say next? Who's he going to call? I see you next Tuesday. What's he going to say? What's his next swear word going to be? Yeah. I've watched. If, that's work. The only way I can, if it works, I'm going to yeah. use it. And I do use it. It's, it's entertainment. It's theatre. People love it. You know, I've got Yellow Ted to help me. You know, but you're not. But you're not punching down. You're not. No. You're, I've, all, all of the callouts I've heard that you do was, was on other scientists. You're not gonna go on. Your next, you're not gonna go on uh, on the next episode and say I have a problem with this this volleyball coach and podcaster and and vet and this schmuck from Brooklyn and attack me. Well, on, on I the might. Science. I might. Depends what you say. <laughs> <laughs> shit, we got plenty of time. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how much time you got, but shit, I got plenty of I'm, time. I'm good, man. I'm 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 me fine. Too, yep. Me too, man. Me too. I'm well, I'm yep. built for this. I, and my guess is you are too. So, but my yep. question is, is there? Is there a reason, I don't like to call people chickens, is there a reason why they, they won't step two? It's, or do you because think, they, know, do you think they know I will hand them their ass. Anyone yeah. who has any scientific training at all, who listens to anything I say for even five minutes in one of my videos, will run away from me with shit in their pants. They will not come and debate me because they know what the outcome will be. They will lose yeah. badly. Yeah, because I, I know my shit backwards and around the wrong way and inside out. Yeah. Well, because I can do an ANOVA with repeated measures calculation longhand on a piece of paper in five minutes. And you have they a mind like that. a steel trap, dude. That's it. You have a mind. You, I, I mean, I only saw five episodes, but you have a mind like a steel trap. There are certain, there are some things you're like, I'm let's, let, let's dig this up. Let me show you. No, 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 no bother. I'll do, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. And I'm just like, mm. yeah, that guy knows this stuff. So, but that's the thing that upsets me. There's this people. And I think, and this is a message to scientists out there who have all this shit to say about Dr. Malone, who, again, I'm not a Malone defender. I don't, I don't know enough to, Dude, I'm a fucking moron, okay? I don't know enough to agree or disagree with, with that guy. I know enough to say why I agree and disagree on a basic level. I know why I disagree and, and agree and disagree on the socioeconomical uh, economic impact on someone's assertions or whether they're right or wrong because that's something that scientists aren't qualified to talk about. I'm not qualified to talk about the science. Fine. When the fuck have you guys ever been qualified to talk about the socioeconomical impact of how of how your assertions or based on whatever whatever groundedness they come from tell me how i'm supposed to live the rest of my life don't you so mm. and that's that's the only reason why i jumped in i'm like you're not the you're not the only guys with skin in the game here get over yourselves challenge mm. him or get the fuck off twitter get mm. the fuck off twitter and stop hazing non-scientists who who you know are being guided by their feelings for these these unfounded victories it pisses me the fuck off and i'm not mm. I, i'm not giving you dr k exceptionalism because you 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 pick your spots. You pick your spots wisely. 
You know, I'm not. So this isn't an, an attack on you. You, I think you know where I'm coming from on this. And and I didn't even, yeah. mean to, I didn't even mean to get this wound up. I meant to just bring it here, oh, Doc. Doc, my bad. So so that was that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, here's another question. <laughs> Shit, we're jumping out for that. Um, you. Is there a good or is there no good or bad time to talk about physical and mental health? I think it's always a good time. Thank you. I, I think we don't talk about it enough. Um, I myself am a survivor <laughs> of mental health challenges at various parts of my life for various reasons. Um, some of it situational and some of it dietary, health, habit-wise, whatever else. Some of it around, you know, when you step out of one career or lose a career and have to rebuild your life and rebuild, you really, as a, as a man, uh, you'll, you'll get this. Um, you really are actually rebuilding your entire identity because men identify as what they do. I mean, that's the first question you'll ask another man when you meet. What do you do? Yep. Let them say no. How do I, how yeah. do I categorize you? How do I know who you are? I ask you, what is it that you do? Yep. And if I've just finished doing something that I don't do anymore, I, you know, that makes it a long conversation. When suddenly, what what you really needed was a short answer. Oh, I'm a professor of health science. Well, I was. Yeah. Oh shit! Now we're into it, telling you why I'm not anymore. Right. Yeah. Which which can be a real thing. Um. And so I had a period of time there. Uh. You know. Also around that time, I was dealing with a divorce situation. Happens. Um. Yeah. Same here. I was here. also dealing with. Same yeah, here. been yeah. there, done that, I'm sure. Also, um, you know, I was dealing with having to move back to back to New Zealand. I was in the UK at that time. I'd been there for, for a number of years. So moving halfway around the world and the stress involved with all of that, blah, blah. Anyway, all of that. So, yeah, it's something that is not talked about enough, especially we men. We like to keep this stuff to ourselves, especially we men of military background as well. I, I has, you know, hazard to say. Yeah. Um. Having been there, having been in the shit, you you'll know exactly what that's yeah. about. That's every male um, member of my family, by the way. Uh, all the men. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've all done it. You've all been yeah. there. My, my sister. My sister. First. Um, first female. But go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Good on her. Two, awesome. tour, two tours in Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. I mean, go ahead. um, I've I've been involved in a way with military and military organisations. I was never in the shit myself, so I, I never had to actually go and do that. Um, but I bet you could do 140 uh, push-ups. <laughs> yeah. at, at that stage, I could. At, yeah. Then, not now. <laughs> you not weigh now 140 so pounds. You could, I bet you could do 140 push-ups. <laughs> well, perhaps not now. Perhaps okay. not these days. But anyway, right. it, it, it's a goal. It's a good goal. Yeah. So we don't we we don't talk about it enough. We don't seek help when we need it enough. Mm -hmm. um, it's it is okay, men. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay not to be an island unto yourself no man is a rock yeah how we do all, we we all have weaknesses how do we get around um and you mentioned something about like americans don't want to do things the long way we, we want fast results and this and that i'll give you an mm. example just on this side of the of 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 the pond i, don't, I mean you're not in england anymore so i don't even know if that's appropriate on mm. this on this side of the world someone's homeless right somebody is suicidal um someone shoots up a school all right someone is beating their wife three nights a week mental health is the last thing everyone's talking about someone mm -hmm. shoots up a school they went 
everyone's got to get there everyone's like we got to have you have okay you have one whole side saying we should have no guns we have one side saying we you know a good guy kills a bad guy with a gun and then you have me in the middle it's like i give everyone a gun just make sure they don't shoot their own big toe off right make sure and and make sure my senile grandmother who thinks street lights are aliens don't have a pistol pow 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 pow, pow. So, so um why and this is a psychological question that might be out of your wheelhouse, but but might at the same time be internally in your wheelhouse. Why is mental health the last thing or the distant second thing we go when, you know, when someone's going to try to kill themselves, we, we put them in a room with padded walls, right? It's not tr that's not yeah. treating them. That's protecting mm -hmm. them from killing themselves. Yeah. We, we have someone that's homeless. We, we either put them in the shelter or, or, you know, I live in Hermosa Beach. The cops pick them up and drive them to Venice where he be <laughs> belongs. Hut, 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 hut. So um, that's the question I pose to you, Dr. K. Why? Why, Why is in our society, mm. and, and this isn't just the United States, I'm ringing the bell here, doctor. Yeah. This is probably New Zealand too. Why is yeah. um, mental health a distant second as far as the, um, active solutions? It's, it's something that I feel if we, if we did that first, those four or five things I just mentioned are just maybe just easier to handle, maybe? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you're right, it's not, it's not in my wheelhouse, but I, it's something I have some peripheral experience with at least by way of secondhand knowledge um my ex-wife is very very senior in the national health service in the uk and her role is as a specialist pharmacist to the boys who are detained at her majesty's pleasure for reason that they have been deemed criminally insane and likely to be a serious threat to the public on the grounds that they have already killed some of them multiple people. So her working day was involved face-to-face -face eyeballing in the same room with these boys. Whoa. Um, so I, I have heard many stories, many work stories, put it that way. It seems to me, my guess, is that the reason that mental health is ring-fenced, if you like, is, is compartmentalized as a branch of health rather than as part of one's overall holistic health, is because at large we don't really understand psychology as well as we like to make out that we do. We don't understand the real causes of the disturbances that people with serious mental illness have, let alone mild mental illness. And often we don't really understand what the way to solve it in the most positive way for everybody is. Ergo, it is something that we are, as a society, afraid of. Nobody's afraid of you if you say, hey, I've got cancer. Right. No. Nobody's afraid of you if you say, gosh, I've got a bad hip. Right. Or well, I've got a bad back or. Yeah. I mean, at this got, point, you know, we don't even care if you have COVID. It's like fucking kill me now. But go ahead. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But if you tell someone you're, you've got mental illness, they're going to be looking sideways at you at least. Even if they're looking you in the eye, I'll tell you what, the wheels are spinning. Oh, Jesus. Okay. What's wrong with you? Do I need right. to watch myself here? What? <laughs> the you know? eye contact. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is. <laughs> yeah. You'll see it. 
You know? <laughs> it's you not. Will. You'll oh, it. I got to get a grip. Um, let's mm. before we get off of mental health. I want to ask you a layman question about the uh, maybe the biology of the anatomy that might be connected to that. Is yep. there a layer of the brain or a cortex on the uh, on the front of the brain? Uh, that mediates your impulses. For example, yes. someone cuts you off um, and you're like, I could just kill that guy, but there's a part of your brain that tells you whether to kill that guy or not. If yeah. that part of your brain is damaged, let's say you're, you're, you're growing up as from a toddler to a teen, from a teen to a young adult, from a young adult to an adult. And if you mm -hmm. suffered uh, abuse where someone is maybe hitting that part of your head too much, does yeah. that... Um, um, get rid of someone's ability to media, ability to mediate their impulses. I saw this interesting thesis paper yep. called Serial yes, Killing, absolutely. Illness Versus yep. Evil. It, yep. was a, it was a thesis paper I saw called Il Serial Killing, Illness Versus Evil, and they explored that a yep. little bit. And I wanted you to, sorry to interrupt, because um, and the floor is yours in a minute. I wanted you to um, maybe tell, tell me and my audience a little bit about that. Yeah, good. No, absolutely. It's, pos it's possible that a physical head injury can precipitate a problem of that kind, but it doesn't have to be a physical injury either. You basically, I mean, one way to think about it with my very cursory knowledge of this area is that it's a thing that a lot of people refer to as the reptile brain, which is your base instincts, your someone cuts you off, flip them the bird. That's a minor response, but yeah. it's still usually encoded for by that reptile brain. The whole, I feel like carbohydrates, stuff my face with carbohydrates. That's reptile brain telling you what to do. Most of us have the higher brain centers that we develop through learning, through experience, through teaching from our elders, from being brought up the right way or the wrong way, as the case may be. We have higher learning centers that our instincts are referred to. Okay, my instinct is if you hurt me, for me to hurt you back. Okay, you slap my face, I'll slap your face back. Or my higher brain steps in and says, hang on, think about why your face just got slapped. Was there something that led to that? Is it his fault? Does he need slapping? Will it help? Will it make you feel better? Just that pause and think and, 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 and you know, decide from the higher centers what to do. So, yeah, if your brain is damaged by an injury and the higher center isn't functioning well or properly, absolutely, that can fail. Something as simple as inflammation on your brain, inflammation of the brain tissue, can affect the way the brain works, and it can stop that from working optimally. You can get inflammation on your brain just by eating the wrong diet. A diet rich in plants will do that to you eventually. That's why vegans are all fucking insane after enough years of being vegan. <laughs> You know, if they weren't fucking nuts before they started. You know, MMA uh, fighter, former MMA fighter, Chael Sonnen, once said, listen, the reason uh, being a vegan is an excuse to be a snob. And when he said that, the, the people in the back, the people who are working or whatever, all started laughing because they were all pointing at a particular vegan. Where, and the, the guy they were, they were laughing at was just like, <laughs> but when he said that. I started cracking up because you don't see meat snobs. If you represent the worst, if, this is hypothetically, if you represent the worst of the worst in meat snobs, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. And so are you. So I, I, I appreciate your answer as far as the physical aspects of the, of the, of the, of the, excuse me, of the development of the brain. Um, have vodka on my tongue, man. That'll, that'll do it for you. Um, it's from the psychological point. We do we we do develop character armors right that yep. that make it our impulse to 
react, not even physically. Like, I'll give you an example. I told a friend of mine that, and now I can officially say it because the CDC finally fucking fessed up. Um, the vaccine does not prevent transmission. And it's been, that's been mm -hmm. true for quite some time, but it's been, yeah. you know, the WHO has been on board with that and, Wal and Walensky actually slipped up August and said, and then had to amend that. But mm. it was my friend's impulse to say, that's not true. Not, mm. not that she read differently. Uh, um, there was this, I'm not gonna use the word because I, I think the, the term is what got Malone canceled. And I, I don't think mm -hmm. medical information got him removed from YouTube, that clip. Um, this, this mass psychosis thing he was talking about was their rationale because they didn't have the science to call him misinformation. So they used mm -hmm. that. And that's what a lot of scientists, a lot of those other scientists need to get on board with, get on board with the truth. That's why he's removed. And uh, mm -hmm. Joe Rogan wasn't removed on YouTube, okay? He hasn't done a YouTube video, uh, an episode since October, 2020. It was a clip. So, mm. and here I go driving us off the cliff again. But is that a character armor, like you said, being, does that have a lot to do with just being brought up the right way? Uh, um, does being brought up the right way make you more open-minded or is just that's just something that's still in the works? I think it's one of those rich tapestries where you've got someone's basic genetic makeup, their basic basal if you like, for want of a better term, inherent intelligence. And by intelligence, I mean their ability to not just IQ, but EQ as well, emotional quotient, how to, how to feel other people, how to, how to um, empathize with others. Um, a lot of that is not taught. A lot of that is an inherent thing, I think. And, there are there have been a number of psychopaths that we could study in history and do psychoanalyses on and go that this this was an inherent psychopath from the beginning. This person was born wired the wrong way. Right. This was going to happen. And that's and a division. No amount right? of yeah. yeah yeah illness versus However, evil. Right. I, that's it's nature versus nurture again. We're coming back to nature versus nurture is where we're getting around to, and they're both absolutely valid. Look. At the end of the day, even with biological things where you can test in test tubes, even looking at someone at the most basic level, what their genes say, the T's, the A's, the G's, the T's, the A's, the G's, and their, and their, and their genes, you unravel their genes and you analyze the thing, you sequence it and you see who they are in terms of that. Even that's not a fait accompli, although it's a set of absolute explicit instructions that are followed to the letter. Genes can be turned on and off individually depending on inputs from the environment. So not only are your genes crucial, but the environment in which you place them is also crucial because it turns various things on and off. So you mean activate, right? Uh, and turn on and yeah. turn off are, are kind of like the same terminology? Just so, sure, yeah. Just so I can, activate, deactivate, yeah. turn on, turn yeah. off. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, so dude, if I, the entire podcast, I've, if been, I, I've been with you. <laughs> that's it. So if I have a gene that encodes for the production of a certain protein, mm -hmm. There are things that will tell that gene to replicate and make that protein. And there are other circumstances that the that the senses of the body will sense that goes, hang on, now it's time to turn that off. All right. Why nothing's different. The, the gene's still there, but it's just been turned off for now. I have two very, very important questions. Um and but I guess I, I don't know. I guess I'll just go and one seems like I'm going back to something. Can you tell my audience the difference between RNA and mRNA? Are they yes. are they okay. both synthetics? 
No, RNA is the base code of many pathogens, right? If you like, um, for example, viruses, for example, coronaviruses, Corona, yeah. a specific branch of, of virus nomenclature, if you like. And that's natively what those things have. That's the, that's the equivalent to our genes, our DNA. We have deoxyribose nucleic acid and, and uh, viruses generally tend to have ribose nucleic acid or RNA. Slightly different structure. Right. What do you do? Okay. mRNA is a imprint or a molding off the original DNA, DNA or RNA, I should say. Like a so you have you have an RNA loop. Often it is rather than a chromosome. Often it's just, it's more a loose sort of a loop inside a, a, a virus package, and there will be a, a messenger, another set of messenger proteins that come along and basically take an imprint, take a stamp off that, take a negative copy of it, and then that goes off somewhere else to do some other role to be used to reproduce itself somewhere else. In other words, infect another cell. In the case of a virus, is often what that, that's doing. In the case of the mRNA technology, what it's doing as it is injecting into the body of the unwitting humans that have uh, agreed to this procedure or been coerced into it, as the case may be, whereby this mRNA is being introduced into their body, it then goes into the cells of their body, and then it starts telling the cell that it's gone into to produce this piece of RNA, mm -hmm. and that piece of RNA encodes for a thing called a spike protein. Right which is the thing it's supposed to make. And that's the thing your body is supposed to react to in the immune system. It's supposed to soup your immune system up and make it ready for when the actual virus with that spike protein shows up so that it knows what to do when it gets there. Um, that's basically what mRNA is. It's, a, it's called M. The little M stands for messenger. It's a little it. stamp that says, okay, now I'm here in the cell. Make this green one and this red one. All right. Do that. Nice. Um, yeah. Sticking or with... make this lovely dragon and make that lovely snake. Oh, if it's see, a different RNA. My man. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have a question about fasting, but I have one more question about RNA and DNA in, in relations to what, okay. what, our, what our current climate is. Um, mm -hmm. There were disagreements and agreements as far as herd immunity and what it would cost human life versus versus first jab, second jab, this jab, that jab. And it's like the more I, I study it, the more I understand, the more that this has to be called something other than a vaccine because vaccines, by definition, mm -hmm. supposed to provide immunity and this and that. But that's a whole other story. Um, yes. Uh, I guess just instead of dancing around the question, I'm just going to ask straight up. Is yeah. this time a better, t a better time than any to, uh, because Omicron? Is more is more contagious. However, this how this however less severe. Is this time better than any time to go herd immunity? Okay, I have to caveat my answer with I am not an immunologist. I am not a virologist. This is not my area of expertise. So everything I say is caveated with that. It's caveated with the, in the best of my understanding based on all the numbers I have seen and my significant understanding of the underlying biology and physiology at play here. Got it. I feel confident enough to say a few things, but I'm not going to go to the nth degree. Here's what it is. 
it is clear that there is nothing whatever that we can do as a species, as a society, to prevent this variant of this virus infecting as many human beings as it jolly well wants to in the time frame that it's going to do. It will do it. The only way that we could prevent it is for every single one of us to seal ourselves inside a hermetically sealed bubble and remain there forever. That's not going to happen. Ergo, at some point, you, me, your auntie, and their auntie, if they've got one, every single human being on this planet is going to be exposed to this virus. Not maybe, that no. will happen. No, that's not a if, that's a when. That's a when, exactly. Okay. I can also tell you this without fear of contradiction from anybody who knows anything whatsoever about science or who is remotely honest about what's going on here. Vaccines, by definition, up to middle of the way through 2020, when you look in the dictionary, you would see a vaccine um, defined explicitly as that which provides immunity, protection, and prevents the passing on of a virus from person to person. Hastily, in the middle of 2020, all the dictionaries have changed their definition to remove those words and to include instead a statement around that which stimulates the immune system in some way, which is not immunity or protection or prevention. No. This I... mRNA technology is, by definition of the classic definition until they changed it, this is not a vaccine. It does not protect you from infection. It does not prevent you from passing it on to somebody else. Now, their claim is that it causes a reduction in the severity of symptoms for which they have provided exactly zero empirical evidence to support that claim. And now they've got their mindless parrots, i.e. the general public who have an IQ less than about 10, it seems, going on Twitter, for example, and jumping over anybody who says we need to stop this mandate nonsense. Now we need to stop all of this. We need to get on with our lives. We need to deal with this and live with this. This is how it is. This is ostensibly a form of the flu, and it's no more serious than anything we've had in recent years. In fact, it's a lot less serious than things like, oh, for example, the 1918 flu epidemic that killed 50 million people, for example. Um, let's just get on with it. This is ridiculous. This is uh, an agenda. This is about power and control. This is about depopulation. This is you know all this kind of tinfoil hat stuff that people are saying. And people are jumping all over these people saying they've never claimed it was going to stop you being infected, which is a fucking lie. They were claiming that. Yeah. Explicitly. Get the jab to protect you, to protect your family. Yeah. They were saying, weren't they? Only a few months ago. And now people and the general public are getting on Twitter and saying they've never claimed that. Yes, they fucking have. Yeah, pretty hard to unring that bell. Especially when you click send. You want to talk about brainwashing, crust, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the mass yeah. psychological problem issue that I won't name that you said that they were, you know. Well, the psychological problem is right now everyone's put in one category. I actually mm. uh, put on my Facebook wall and I'll just read it. I said people who are against the vaccines, 
anti-vax. Uh, people who did not get the COVID shot, but vaccinated everywhere else in their life, anti-vax. Uh, people mm-hmm. who got the first one, but not the second one, anti-vax. The people who got the mm-hmm. first two shots, but are kind of passing on the booster for, for reasons the WHO confirmed, anti-vax. And, we're, and, and all it, uh, the problem is there's this huge uh, uh, attempt to divide, uh, uh, to take all of these people in different categories and put them in one category of, of opposition when the big dirty little secret that you're not going to see a lot of research or, or, or surveys on is the majority of the United States of America is pro-vaccine, mm. anti-mandate. The majority, mm. and I'm, I'm talking Democrips and Rebloodlicans, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, no, I want to take the time to apologize to Crips and Bloods everywhere. You brothers are cool, okay? You brothers ain't real gangsters compared to these cats. So, yeah, but the majority of our country is is pro-vax, anti-mandate. And that's what I think is the direction we're going to go because you can only do this, regardless of what the agenda is, you can only do this before even the person whose IQ is your fucking shoe size uh, is going mm-hmm. to be like, something ain't right here. Something ain't right here. You know, so, um, yeah, and I'm with you. I didn't like it. I, I mean, I have the whole history here. It says first, you first you get Fauci saying you don't need a mask, right? In fact, he scoffed at the idea. And then you need a mask. And then you need the vaccine. It's your best shot at ending this, all right? And then after the vaccine, and this was the biggest sales pitch, if you get the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask. That was March of 2001, all right? But mm. then after you get the vaccine, this guy's saying not only wear one mask, but two, right? And then they say you need a booster. And then they're saying, don't worry yeah. about the booster. The booster is just for the elderly, all right? This is the timeline mm. I'm going through. Oh, not, yeah. it's not for the elderly anymore. It's for everybody. And then, in yeah. fact, now it's for everybody, but you have to take it if you want to work. It is, yeah. if I were an alien that landed on this planet, and I'm not talking about New Zealand. I mean, you got some bigger problems here. You got you got a guy that got shot by the police that was listed as a COVID death. So don't even get me started on New Zealand. Uh, but if mm-hmm. I landed on this planet, a Marsh, an alien, maybe from Mars or whatever, who cares? And saw the way that we operated the last two years, I would do do one or two things. I would call my friend, all of my people from the planet, and said, "This is an easy takeover. Let's go, guys." Or mm. Let's stay the fuck away from these people. Let mm. them, let, they'll, they'll take care of themselves and or, we'll revisit this. Please, what's the, what's the third one? Third option, <laughs> fire the lasers, let God sort them out. <laughs> Darwinism. Darwinism yeah. even. Darwinism, Dar, Darwin was an alien, my man. Um, last question before we get out of here, and this is a fun question, yep. but very fast okay. for you to answer. You're cool. talking about fasting. Fasting. What's a rolling yep. forty-eight and what's a rolling seventy-two? In in in, in terms of um, uh, fasting, intermittent fasting, or just fasting, fasting. Right. Okay. Fasting is a whole can of worms, a whole can of whoop ass. And fasting is a thing that has many indications, many purposes, and can be beneficial for all sorts of people at all sorts of ages and stages for all sorts of reasons. There are a lot of cowboys running around on interwebs saying, on the interwebs, saying, "Just do it. It's great. You don't have to, you know." worry about anything it's perfectly safe you know but i would caveat all of that by saying no take some advice from someone like myself who knows what they're talking about have a coach have someone that you're going to be in contact with on a daily basis while you're fasting we need to keep an eye on you counting your fingers and toes we need to know what's going on don't trust that mad canadian that just says hey fatty stop fucking eating that's that's ridiculous um you know come and talk to an actual qualified professional like myself okay so there's that right 
Intermittent fasting usually is just eating within a window during any given day. Sometimes the people will do 16, 8 or, or you know, 24 or whatever else, which means obviously on 16, 8, 16 hours of so-called fasting and eight hours that you can eat within. And 24 is obviously the same thing with different time frames. Okay. To me, that's not even fasting. Fasting starts for me at around about 72 hours right. um, of not consuming any food at all. Yeah. And some people um, it's 48, right? But for... yeah. So, so intermittent fasting is an eating window every day. Um, a rolling 24 is I don't eat today. I do eat tomorrow. I don't eat the next day. I do eat the day after that. Oh, on off, on off, on off. Okay. Huh. Or you can have a 24 hour, not eat two days of eating, 24 hour, not eat two days of eating, if you like, or you could do three days of eating on you. Rolling 24 is basically the 24 refers to the fasting period and that the refeeding or normally eating period is whatever it is in between those rolling periods, uh, typically. And then obviously a 48 means you're not eating for two days and then you're eating for two days or three days or four days and then not eating for two again. And a 72 is three days. So by math, you'd go a 96 is four days and 168 is a full week of not eating. Holy sugar. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm currently that is a about rolling halfway 48. through a 72. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. Cool, um, man. Today in, in what, what used to be called New Zealand, but is now called the totalitarian regime of, of Ardunistan, mm -hmm. uh, after our fearless leader, Jab Sindahadon, who has fearlessly taken over our country and her totalitarian manner and decided how we should all live and how we should all think and what we can all say and not say she is the science she is the thought police she is our fearless leader all hail jabson to hard on mm -hmm. um yeah so she's she's done that and so yep i'm now hey, halfway through no. the date here in new zealand i was getting to the date <laughs> is the 21st today of january okay uh and uh, the last time i ate was the morning of the 18th so i'm just about there well, not that this is a competition or anything, but for me personally, I have decided that the man rolling into last November on a dementia drumstick was still better than the man, the, than the man who was in office who was a year away from standing, sending us back to, to the Middle Ages. Not figuratively either, man. It was, mm. it, it, it was that, it was, you have to be laughing because out of all these brilliant minds, those were the best, those were our last, that, that was our Coke and Pepsi. That were, those were our last two choices. And, and everybody, no one can deny, no matter what party you are, they can't deny that I'm wrong about that. There were so many br uh, brilliant minds with some, some great ideas who uh, we would vote in a heartbeat. But man, that's, a, that's our situation. And I'm glad some, we got a little Chekhovian suffering going on from opposite sides of the world. Man, I appreciate that. I got mad respect. Okay, what, before we go, people who want to get to know you, I'm going to go full screen with you. People want to know about Dr. K. They want to know about your YouTube channel. They want to know what kind, what kind of practice makes perfect they want to know what next the next cow you're going to eat and when how do we get with dr bart k oh roddy very very simple here's what you do <laughs> if you want to consult with me about health in general about nutrition about exercise physiology about um physical preparation for events um all that kind of stuff then if, the best way to get hold of me for consults is to go to my consultancy merchandise, etc. link, which is the one at the top of the screen there, which is bit.ly forward slash B-A-R-T hyphen K-A-Y. 
pretty straightforward. And from there, that's a link off page that you can get links to join my Patreon, which is where I run my consultancy service through there. Uh, or you can buy this fantastic t-shirt here that uh, tells people exactly how you feel about things and stuff. Um, all sorts of things you can do while you're there. <laughs> also, social media. I'm changing across from the fake book, um, the fascist book, the the the, the Zuckerpenis book, and I'm going to go to Gab. I'm already there on Gab, actually. And my Gab handle is Bart underscore K, K-A-Y, spell it all out like it is on the screen there right now. If you want to join my Patreon, but you don't want to consult with me, you can get on Patreon cheaper and just get access to some extra videos and things with some extra juicy bits that you won't see for free on the YouTubes, the YouTubes, um, those kind of things. And you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Bart underscore K. And my YouTube channel, my main YouTube channel is called Bart K Health Science, uh, as per the signage up there. And it's yeah, really, you, if you just punch Bart K into any search engine of your choice, you can't help but find me. I'll, I'll be the first 10 pages of results, basically. Um, so there's that. I also have a secondary channel called um, the Institute for Health Science Integrity. That's the one that's all suit and tie and collar and no saying fuck. Um, and then I've got a third channel as well, which is called the Meat Militia. That's where Yellow Ted and his mate, the Field Marshal, hang out. That's a cool channel yep. if you want to go and see some of that. That's, that's the one. Hardcore comedy, mostly. That's that the one stuff. I saw. Yeah, um, that was awesome. Yeah, so that's that's good stuff. And I've also got another channel as well that is called It's Round Like, as in the world. It's round like. All one word, no spaces. It's round like. And that's a little channel about how the world, how the earth is not flat, you morons. So that's that's your options. Dr. K, you had me at the t-shirt, my man. Excellent. <laughs> Gotta get me one of those. Good. So all right. So ladies and gentlemen, Dr. K might love you, but I don't love you. In fact, I can't stand any of you. In fact, we are out of here. So for all of you at home, for all of you in your iPads or your iPhones, for all of you on your droid, for all of you on your desktop who runs the world. Old school, old school, from a man, Dr. Bart K. I am Jason DeBias. This is episode 124 of the Option Podcast. Stay with me after I hit my music, and we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.